so this morning, this morning we, um, we conclude our home improvement series. Now, let me just give you some like advice. This doesn't mean you're done with your family. <laughs> like, our series might be over, but by no means is like, oh, okay, fine, finally, we don't have to talk about family anymore. Um, this morning is, I'm, I'm gonna guess for some of us, like it's gonna, uh, it's gonna hurt a little, like a good hurt a little bit of a conviction kind of hurt, um, followed with some good news. So um, I, I wanna start by talking about kind of uh, the state of faith in the next generation, um, because it's, it, if we're on it, it's troubling. And it's been this way for a while. This isn't new. There's been a number of studies that have been done in, within, uh, within kind of Christianity to, to figure out um, uh, the, what is the drop-off rate of the faith of the next generation? And so I want to share some, some kind of, um, honestly, some alarming st- statistics that, that haven't changed, which tells us that we haven't fixed it. We haven't corrected this. And here it is. So there's been a number of studies that have been done. Uh, and, and depending on the study, they come up with di- different numbers. So here's the range. Anywhere between 40 and 70% of church attending students who graduate from high school, they drop off in college. Four to seven out of 10. Some go as as high as to say 80%. Now, listen, this is not, this stat is not like of all high schoolers. This isn't a a stat saying uh, of of all the people, like all the, count of all the high schoolers. No, no, no. This is, this is specifically church going kids, students who are a part of church. Students who are, who are, some are probably in youth group right now for middle school, who were in high school earlier this morning. Of those kids, four up to seven out of 10 will fail to stick with their faith when they graduate and they move on. That's scary. It should be, hopefully, for you to see that is scary. We see this, that 80% of those who did drop out, those who did kind of leave faith, um, for whatever reason, 80% said they didn't plan to. That this wasn't premeditated sort of, man, well, as soon as I graduate, I'm out of here. I'm done with this. I'm done with my parents' faith. I'm done with church. It's boring. It's dumb. And whatever it is, like I, I don't like. 80% said, no, I didn't plan to. In fact, I, I had every intention of sticking with this. But it just kind of life got in the way. Just sort of happened. Um, there's, there's good news here. Slight good news. Of those who drop out, of the, the thousands and thousands of uh, high school students who fail to stick with their faith, uh, 30 to 40% of them end up returning to faith. So there's a, a leaving and then a kind of a, a eventually a, a sort of a coming back to the church and the faith. 33 to four out of those who drop off. And, and so that's, that's good news, sort of. That also means six to 10 never do, never do. And you know the factor? There's, there's one key factor that kind of determines if they return. Do you know what that is? There's one, like really kind of a life event. Ready? You, you can guess this. I'll just tell you. Okay, ready? They start having their own children. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the church becomes very appealing again, right? For good reasons. We, I have, um, we have neighbors on our street that 
uh, grew up kind of going to church and uh, haven't been now, you know, for their entire adult life. They're now having in the like stage of, you know, they have, they just had their second child and, and he's on his own without me like, prodding or asking at all has said a number of times, you know what, we need to think about getting back into church. I want to raise my kids in the church. I'm going, oh, that's cool, right? I mean, it's not me asking, what do you think? He's just, he's just thinking about it. Now that we have kids, I don't know why we, why it's taking so long, but I, we, need to, we need to get them back. And I, and I said this, well, I, I happen to know a church. <laughs> if you're ever interested, and, 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 like, and they haven't come yet, but, but for them, like they're thinking about it because now kids show up. Here's one, one quote from uh, an article in Christianity Today called Dropouts and Disciples. And it says this, it's not that most rejected church, our teenagers aren't primarily leaving because they have significant disagreements with their theological upbringing or, or have some sense of rebellion. For the most part, they simply lose track of the church. And here's the bad news. This is, this is the almost worse than, than prior and stop seeing it as important for their life. Here's the deal, ready? You and I, church, we just become irrelevant. Kind of purposeless and not really helpful. Like kind of a, honestly, so what? All right, you go to, you go to church, so what? And, and the point isn't that like it's, it's out of some sort of like, well, I'm gonna show them. It's just sort of a, yeah, all right. Didn't really have an impact growing up and I'm fine without it. Now, in these studies, there's one that's uh, it's called Sticky Faith. They did a study on what makes faith stick for, uh, for those who, whose faith does go on to, like they stick it out through college and then into life. And, and they said there's really, there's four factors that help like give you the best shot at seeing faith stick in the next generation. And these four things are mostly under your control, though uh, that doesn't mean we do them all. Here's the first one, ready? They wanted the church to help guide their decisions in everyday life. All right, so this is personal. For them, they saw the church as meaningful and important and, and like the big C church, not like New Hope Church. Like they're not coming to me going like, all right, what should I wear today? <laughs> like, no, whatever. But for them, all right, as I think about my future and my life and what I wanna do, the church and what like Jesus's church helps me, guides me and is important that I, that, I, that, I, uh, that I follow the Lord and what he wants. I wanna know God's will for my life, great. Number two, ready? Here it is, okay, again, here's, we're gonna start maybe for some of us feeling a little bit of the, the pinch. Number two, their parents were still married to each other and both attended church. Again, statistically, this helps give the best shot of the next generation sticking with their faith. So some of us re look at that and say, oh man, maybe, maybe you've, you've gone through a, a divorce and a split up. Maybe, maybe you're still married, but you know, one attends you. And I assume that's you if you're here <laughs> and, and maybe your spouse doesn't. And like, that's a sore subject. Yeah, I, I get it. And it, it affects, it really does affect the next generation. Number three, the pastor's sermons were relevant to their life. We nailed this one, you guys. This one, I'm telling you. So this isn't a problem. <laughs> All kidding aside, this, is, this actually re is really important. This really is important because, uh, because a, a lot of, uh, like the next generation, a lot, of, a lot of them will see church as boring. 
And because often, like, I remember this as a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor uh, for a decade of my life. So I was like in it. I mean, I, hundreds and hundreds of, of students went through the ministry along with their families. And, and I saw this all the time that, that church, church was always built for big people. In fact, we call it big church. Do you know that? That's the name we have for it. It's for the adults. And there's a sense if we're not careful that we can say like, hey, this isn't for the kids. Like, let's, let's just let the kids go do their thing so that we can have our church. And what we do is we teach them that, that A, you're not that important to be a part of this. And also, um, when we talk, we're not gonna be talking in terms you can understand. This, 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 this one kills me of the like, so many times we, um, okay, I'm gonna say a few things that are controversial, but, um, but again, I'm right, so it's fine. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, when, we, when we force kids to attend and to do things at church that they don't want to do, it can be a problem. Now, I, I hold that view. At the same time, I hold a view that my kids are going to church, right? And my kids go to youth group. Now, thankfully they want to and they love it and they love their, and their friends, but it isn't an option. It isn't like a, on a Sunday morning, hey, so what do you guys, what do you guys think about, you know? I mean, unless they're like sick or there's a reason that they aren't here, they're here because I want them to experience the pattern and the habit and the, and the experience of like, this is what we do as a family. We do church. We experience church as a family. Like this is, this is who we are. But, but the problem is when it becomes this like force, you will do this or else. And it becomes almost, listen, church almost can become punishment. Ooh, what lesson are we teaching people if church is punishment. Listen, if you don't do, you know what? Fine, you're, you're coming with me to church and you're sitting right next to me. Oh, man, I bet they can't wait to go to church when they graduate. <laughs> church is, is extremely important, but it has to be relevant. They have to see it as not as punishment, not as like, oh, fine, I gotta go to the church, but really, man, this really is helpful for us. We worked really hard at making sure that like our youth group and our kids ministry is resourced and we have people and leaders and like great volunteers who like who serve every week and love on the kids because this is really important. That leads to number 4. At least one adult from church made a significant investment in them personally and spiritually. At least one adult, not their parent, made an investment in them both personally and spiritually. That, that one-on-one connection and helps like instruct and, and encourage and, and like teach them. And, and I saw this so, I saw this so often when I was a youth pastor that, that I would have parents come into my office frustrated because they would say, Brandon, we, we, teach, we teach our son all of these things and this and this and this. And he just doesn't listen. And then he goes to church and he talks to you one time and you're the smartest guy in the world and we realize you're saying the same stuff we are. But listen, coming from someone not mom and not dad is that impactful. And so and like to the point where I'm like texting their youth leaders, like I'll give you $10 to say this to my kid in youth group. <laughs> Because there's something about someone else investing in them, even if it's saying the same stuff. Listen, mom, dad, even grandparents, grandma, grandpa, you're paid 
to tell them how to live life, right? In their mind, like you, you have to, your mom and dad. But for someone else to do this willingly, voluntarily, means a lot. So for your kids, this is why my kids will be in youth group. And it's like, hey, I mean, this is not an option because I'm, but you want to come, but also I want you to be around people and adults who are going to love you, care for you and share things and you, you, people that you can share with and that you'll listen to. So how do you score? Those are the, the four. <laughs> how have you scored as a parent? Or maybe how did your parents score? If you're, grand, if you're a grandparent, how are you scoring as a grandparent with your grandkids? Whatever your faith, your family looks like, we know of all families are different shapes and sizes and different stages. Some of us are just starting out. Like some of you, maybe you're, brand, maybe you're single and you're like family is so far in the future. Maybe you're newly married and like kids is like, please not, I've, I've seen kids, we will wait. <laughs> and, and, and maybe that's you. Maybe you have new kids and like you got littles and you're just trying to, you're just literally trying to stay awake right now. And like, Lord bless you, right? Like, or maybe you're, maybe you're grandparents and now you have kids that are grown and out of house and now they have kids. Whatever, whatever your family situation looks like, what does it look like to, to become healthier and stronger and, and to say, all right, we can do, we can, for these four key factors for our kids or our grandkids or our future kids, all right, we need to be thinking about these. Here's what we're gonna see this morning. We're gonna look at Jesus in, in one of his most famous sermons, the Sermon on the Mount, and we're gonna look at it here in a second, but here's what we're gonna see, ready? Faith develops when our perfect God, God who is perfect, when, when he intersects with imperfect us, like that intersection, that part where we meet, that is where faith grows. And here's the deal, ready? It's not by accident. It isn't like, a, oh, we just stumbled across something here. It's, it's wherever we who are imperfect and we get things wrong, we meet with God in that moment for that instance, whether it be through a, a conversation with someone or maybe reading scripture or a prayer time or a church experience or a camp or whatever, like that intersection, that's where faith develops. So for us, ready? If you have a family, if you have kids or grandkids or, 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 or even siblings, we're... How can you create the most opportunities for that to happen? Here's what we do so often instead, because faith is a byproduct of an encounter with God. So for us, it means creating more space, intentionally creating space for faith to grow. But instead, here's what we usually do, what we can often do. We can, we can often just leave it up to chance and we, and we do this. We cross our fingers and we say, I hope it works. And here's what that looks like. Well, I make them go to youth group and I hope that they listen and that's it. I hope, I hope it's enough. I remember uh, as a, again, as a youth pastor once, I had a, a dad who didn't, didn't go to church, but again, wanted his kid to go to church and, uh, and he got upset and he got upset with me. So he comes in after group one day and he's like huffing and puffing and I'm going, okay, man, like we could, we could talk. And, and he goes, hey, I got a problem. I'm like, okay. I could see that. I could see that. You probably got a few. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I said, tell me what's wrong. And he said, what do you guys teach around here? I said, well, generally the Bible, but uh, I mean, more specific, what are you talking about? And he says, every time my son comes home, he's just talking about girls. What do you guys teach around here? And I said, oh, well, we talk about girls too. No, I didn't say that. And he says, you, you guys, you, you're supposed to, you're supposed to, and he literally said this, you're supposed to fix my kid. <laughs> you 
good, you felt it too. Okay, good. You felt the like, the like, ooh, all right. And, and again, in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm thinking this. Listen, sir, I guarantee you, I can't fix the damage you've done. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say that. There's a lot of things in my life. There's a lot of things I think that I don't say. Some things I do say I probably shouldn't. But I said this. I said, hey, I, I get that. I get that. Well, um, what we try to do here is talk about faith. Now, I don't know what faith looks like in your home. I knew he didn't go to church and he told me he didn't go to church. But I said, I said, honestly, if I'm honest, one hour a week is not enough. And that's not gonna fix the other 167 hours of not faith. But I'll tell you this, when he's here, he's gonna hear about the Bible. He's gonna hear about Jesus and he's gonna have, he's gonna have leaders who love him. That's what we can commit to. You see, in his mind, here's what he thought. It's the church's job to do this. Why do I even bring him here? Hmm. In his mind, it was, hey, listen, I'm just hoping it sticks, but whatever. And, it, and it's not working, so what are you guys doing wrong? <laughs> Faith develops when our perfect God intersects with imperfect us, and it doesn't happen by accident. It's not crossing our fingers and hoping the pastor will say the right thing that they need to hear, and that's it. So how do we develop faith on purpose? How do we do this if we say, how do we, how do, what does this look like to develop faith intentionally? Let's look at what Jesus is, is gonna say here to us. And he's gonna, he's gonna say this, and you know this to be true, and you've experienced this, but you don't think about it like this. Faith is seen more than it's said. Maybe you've heard it this way. Faith is caught more than it's taught. I remember... Um, uh, I remember uh, youth ministry for again a decade, and I remember one particular uh, one particular student who was a great kid, wonderful, wonderful. He was one of our student leaders, and he went from from junior high, like sixth grade, all the way to twelfth. Like he was like there for a long time, and uh, and I remember um, as um, I'm moving on, and we're talking. Uh, about and I think he just graduated, and uh, about his experience at church and what it was like, and he said this, and I didn't know how to take this, but here it is. I'll tell you what he said. He goes, Brandon, if I'm honest, I was I was shocked by this. He goes, I don't remember a single sermon or thing you've said. Well, we're off to a great start. <laughs> I don't remember a thing you. I don't remember a, a single sermon. I'm I'm going, dude. You've you've been here twice a week for seven years seven years that's I can't even do the math that's a lot of things I've said to you I said oh, I didn't say that again I bit my tongue I, I try I try I try I guys I try and he says but you know what I did see though I saw how you live out your faith I saw how my leaders live out their faith because there was a general a general sense of okay this is what it looks like and that speaks to me like I want to have that and I'm going, okay, that's good. What he was saying is this, faith is seen, not said. It's, it's, it's caught, it's not taught. Like we can talk about it all we want, but there's something about seeing an example of it that sticks with us. It, it, we see it and we say, that's it. And, and, and you know this to be true too, because I, I bet like the people in your life that you would say have been the most influential, like faith-wise, isn't because they taught you certain things, though I'm sure you remember certain things that, that they have said that like, man, that's really stuck with me. But what I bet, what I bet really sticks with you is watching their life and seeing how they respond to things and saying, oh, that feels and looks right. 
man, that, I don't know how they're doing that. Like, I want to know more about that. Like how their, how their faith is getting them through that experience or how they're responding in that way. And I'm watching them, how they live their life and how they live out their faith much more than what they're saying. And that sticks with me. And, and I'm going to guess there's people in your life that that has stuck with you to say, man, I see how you're doing this. And that's, that, that sticks with me. Here's the deal. Ready? Your family is watching you. If you have kids in the home, they are really watching you. They're watching to see if you really mean this. Your extended family is watching you. Some of them are bold enough even to tell you, hey, just so you know, I'm watching you. <laughs> and, and, and some of you have had that experience. I've had that experience. I've, I, there's been a few times in my life where family members um, have, uh, have, uh, have told me, non-Christian, not church, like this is kind of like, hey, you know, that, that's your thing. It's not really our thing. And they'll say, well, that doesn't seem, that doesn't seem to be very Christian-like of you, Brandon. And my response is, who are you to tell me what a Christian is? Uh, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But my thought, my thought is, who are you to decide what a Christian's like? You don't want to do to with any of this. Like this is not, I didn't say that. I wanted to. But here's what they tell me in that moment. You're watching me. All right, you're watching me. And people are watching you. If you have kids in the home, they're watching you. And they're deciding, okay, ready for this? This, this, is the, this is the, again, this is maybe gonna hurt a little. They're deciding if they want the same kind of faith you have or not. They're deciding. I wanna be like mom, I wanna be like dad, or I don't wanna be like mom. I don't wanna be like dad. I wanna do, my, I wanna do something totally different. And while they're in your home, they are watching you because faith is seen more than it said. Jesus talks about this in the greatest sermon ever, the Sermon on the Mount, right in the middle of it in Matthew chapter seven, he talks about this. He says this, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. And then he gives this, this statement and he gives an, an, uh, an illustration, but also a summary. He says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. He says, not, it's not by what they say, because listen, you and I, we can say anything we want. We can, we can twist words and say whatever. But here's how you recognize someone if they're genuine or not. He says, you look at their fruit. You're gonna observe their life and see because you can see faith more than you can just simply talk about faith. He goes on, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Of course not. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree, it bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. And then he says this, every tree that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Ooh, Jesus, calm down. I can get the good tree, good fruit, bad tree. Okay, but now, now there's consequences for this? And then he goes on and he restates his purpose. This summary, he says, thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Jesus tells us that faith is seen much more than it's said. And here's how you identify. You look at the fruit of their life. Okay, ready? What does the fruit of your life look like? Honestly, if someone looks at, the, at your faith and all right, I'm just gonna watch you for the next month. 
I'm going to judge. I'm just going to judge the fruit that I see. Will you be happy with what they find? (laughs) Will you say, hey, no thanks, please. This is private. Here, to put it another way, is your faith, your level of faith, whatever it is right now, is it the kind of faith that you want for everyone else? Right now, if you could say, you know what, my, my whatever, rate it on a scale of one to 10. One being like, no, that's like the lowest it could be. 10 being, man, I'm on fire. I feel so, whatever your faith level is right now, whatever that number is, would you say, you know what? Yeah, I want everyone to have the same faith that I do. The same level of faith and conviction and, and like it's personal, like, yeah, I want that. Or no, I don't, I don't know if my faith's strong enough. I want them to have more faith than me, all right? If you're honest, that might be, that might be the answer that, I want them to have more faith. Okay, great. Here's what that means. You get to have more faith. Paul says this, and this is one of the craziest statements he makes. And it's one that for us is even hard to say like, oh, okay, maybe we could do that. Paul says this. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. The apostle Paul, as much as we say, just follow Jesus, follow Jesus. He recognizes, hey, you need something tangible to see. So he says, how about this? Ready? You want to know what it looks like to be a Christian? Just do what I do. He says this a number of times in his letters. Listen, you want to know what it's like? Do what I do. Follow after me as I follow Christ. Whoa. Now listen, can you say that? Are you willing to say that? Hey, you know what? Kids, follow my example as I follow Jesus. Ooh, that's what Paul, that's what Paul's saying. Jesus, he recognizes the same thing and says, listen, people are watching you, so you got to know that. Be aware and recognize. If you want to know what it means to follow Jesus, look at my life, he says. Faith is seen way more than it's said. Here's the second thing as Jesus continues. Faith is a relationship, not a rule book. Now, if it's, if I'm poking a little bit right now, it's about to get a little bit harder. This next few verses I think, honestly, are probably the scariest in all of Scripture. And a lot of times pastors will get on the stage and they'll speak in hyperbole and maybe you're used to that and you kind of get the like, this is the greatest day ever and the greatest sermon and the greatest event and the greatest, you know, person from, like, it's just, just so wonderful. Or it's like, this is the worst. And, and like, it's really easy to get this like, okay, you're just kind of being, you know, all grandiose. Okay, no, 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 listen, put all that aside. This really is, I think, the scariest verse in the scriptures that Jesus is going to talk about. He's talking about faith being a relationship and not a rule book. I remember the first time I read this, I didn't want it to be true. And I'm looking at this going, this can't be right. That can't be what Jesus said. And it certainly can't be what he meant. Like, you can't, you can't, you can't mean that. If I'm honest, today, now, decades later, having gone through, you know, school and seminary and been in ministry now for decades, like, I still look at this and say, I don't want it to be true. I don't want this to be true. But I fully understand and believe that it is because this is what Jesus says. Here it is. The very next verse after this, by the fruit you will recognize him. Here's what he says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Here's the translation, ready? Not everyone who says they're a Christian is in. What? Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, you're my Lord. Not all of them. 
will enter the kingdom of heaven. What? But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So Jesus makes this dividing line. Listen, not everyone who comes and says, Lord, Lord, is in. Only those who do the will of my Father. Now, I don't know about you and I, it might be important to figure out just what that will is. If that's the dividing line, if that's the line in the sand to do the will of the Father, all right, Jesus, tell us, what is the will of the Father? He goes on, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Uh, listen, I look at this. This is, a, this, is a, this is a list of people doing ministry and they're doing, listen, ready? They've done more for God than you have. I'm gonna guess. I'm, we look at this and they say, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Maybe some of us have had that experience where like, I'm feeling like God is maybe like speaking to me. And in your name, didn't we drive out demons? All right, I, I don't know about you. I'm gonna guess not many of us have done that. And perform many miracles? Okay, I'm looking around going, I don't know, any miracle workers in here? Probably not. These people would say, we've done these things. And you're like, here's this list of the stuff we've done, of the ministry we've done in your name. That's not good enough? Here's Jesus' response. Then I will tell them plainly. Here's the scary part. I never knew you. Away from me. You evildoers. What? Jesus, you can't. You can't really mean that. Oh, he, know, he knows exactly what he's saying. Here's what he says, ready? Only those who do the will of the Father are gonna be a part of the kingdom, can actually enter in the kingdom of God. All right, well, we've done all this stuff. And he says, that's not the will of my Father. As good as that is, prophecy and casting out demons and miracles. And we see that in the New Testament, he goes, that's all great, but that's not his will. That's not what he wants. What he wants is for you to know him. Ooh, that's different. You've done all this stuff, but here's the deal. You didn't know me. This is the will of the Father. Not that you show him that you know him. It isn't show me all the stuff you've done and show me like just how great you've been for like the faith and how this, these accomplishments. He says, no, 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 here's what I want. Ready? I just want you to know me. Oh, that's really different. This is really different than what maybe we've been told our whole lives. And it's all about what we do and being a good person and, and even doing good stuff for the Lord as though that's enough. And he says, unless you know me, you don't understand the will of the Father. Are you ready for this? What we really need in our families is to share what it means to know God personally. If Christianity, here's the deal, Christianity is just about a rule book, which many of us, that's the, that's the version of Christianity we grew up with. It's just rules of here's what you can do and here's the longer list of all the stuff you can't do. <laughs> if that's Christianity, then we've missed it. And listen, ready? If that's the version of Christianity we're teaching our kids is do's and don'ts, and that's all it is. We've missed their heart and ready for this? Okay, Ready? And we might be setting them up to hear these words from Jesus. I never knew you though. 
We've been talking about this this whole series that, that, uh, that the, even last week, the, the superpower in family is grace. It's, it's not rules. Rules are important. You should have rules. But if, as we've talked about, your rules should be less, not more. It should be about relationship. And Jesus talks about the same thing here. It's not all the stuff you do. It's about knowing me. If the faith we put on display for our kids or our grandkids or our, or our parents or our siblings or, that aren't believers, like if the faith we put on display is about a rule book, we've missed their hearts. If it's just about instilling good behavior, we've missed it. Faith is not, faith is about a relationship. It's not about a rule book. So ready? So don't turn it into one. The gospel, if if, if all the gospel is, if we water down the gospel to say, here's the stuff you can do, here's the stuff you shouldn't do, and here's why. Listen, ready? Ready? You don't have the right to do that. You're preaching a different gospel. That's not the gospel that I read about in here. The gospel of grace and forgiveness. That God wants to know us. You, you've, you've preached something entirely different. I remember, um, this is now a number of years ago, having a... Um, um, sharing a message uh, about this, this similar, similar stuff. And um, I remember afterward uh, going to the back and, and talking specifically with the, uh, the wife of a pastor. And they, had, they were uh, older and had grown kids now and out of the house, uh, but, but um, all of their kids had walked away from faith. And they grew up in church. I mean, they were in church probably more than our kids were. I mean, my, my kids are in church all the time to the point where where they're, they're, like, they're like too comfortable with it. Like I'll just find them hanging out in the baptismal, just sitting and talking like, okay, this is, you, you kids are weird. She has tears in her eyes and she says, Brandon, we've done all the stuff you were just talking about. It really was just about getting them to do what we asked them to do. And she couldn't even finish her thought. And I feel like we, and then she just stopped. I said, I know, I know, I get it. For her, this wasn't, uh, this wasn't an intellectual exercise or some hypothetical. It was, man, we really, with the demands of the church and how often we're here and it was just about the rules and it, we, missed, we missed the relationship part and now I don't, I don't even know what to do. Now that's the hard part. Okay, here's the encouragement because some of us may be in that same situation where Maybe you've had grown kids or, or family members that have walked away and, and your heart aches for it. Okay, ready? Here's, the, here's the, the good news. As long as you're breathing, there's always hope. As long as you're breathing, and I'm looking around, most of us are breathing and you're doing a good job. As long as you're alive, there is hope and we're, we can be praying for and still, and still being an example to say, all right, I want to put on display what it means to be a faithful follower of Jesus, what it really means, what the gospel really looks like. Faith is not a, not a rule book, it is a relationship. So some practical advice as we wrap up, some things, all right, so tell me, what can we do? If you have kids in the home still, great. If your kids are out and maybe you have grandkids and you have an ability to influence your grandkids, great. Number one, regardless of the situation of your family and what it looks like, talk as a family about faith. Now, let me, be, let me be clear. I didn't do this last service. I probably should have. 
talking about faith, here's, I should change this. Talk about family, uh, talk as a family about faith positively. (laughs) Sometimes here's what we do. We use faith and church and even the Bible as punishment. I I remember having parents that would come to me and say like, hey, when our kids are grounded, here's what we do. We have them rewrite books of the Bible. And I'm going, oh, what? Why would you please? And it was just sort of this source of pride, like, hey, aren't we doing a great job? And I'm going, you're terrible, terrible parents. I don't say it, I don't say it. But in my mind and what I shared with them, just be careful that you don't make the Bible a punishment. That whenever they see the scriptures, they're like, oh man, all it does is bring back the negative discipline and emotion. Don't, don't talk about faith as like, you're gonna do this and you're gonna do this or you're gonna do this and we're gonna, and you're gonna come to this and you're gonna like it and you're not gonna talk back and you're gonna sit there polite. And it's like, oh man, I wonder why they leave the faith. I wonder why they don't come back when they finally get out of that. So as a family, talk about faith and what it means. And this doesn't mean every waking moment, but, but hey, we have a general open conversation about faith any moment of any day, ask anything. In our home, here's what we, here's what we say. You can ask us anything about anything. About, about faith, questions you have, about, about, uh, about questions about any, about science, about what you're hearing at school, about like what you're learning in like health class, like anything. You can ask questions about anything. No judgment, no ridicule, anything. You catch my drift? And, and sometimes some of the things they bring up, we're like, I don't even know what that is, but we'll figure it out. I don't know. You, you have, this is a safe space where you can ask anything you want. Number two, talk as a family about doubts. As much as you talk about faith, you should, you should allow for space for questions and doubts. Doubt is not a bad thing. It's a, it's a scary word. And sometimes we think that that means they're leaving the faith. But doubt, doubt is this. Doubt is questioning if they want to make this, if this is real or not. If this is personal for them. Like, all right, help me understand this. Oh man, I love when people ask questions about doubts because what, t- what it tells me is that they're taking this seriously and they really want to know. Great, we have great answers. We have great. Don't let the questions scare you. So, Talk as a family about doubts, even honestly doubts that you might have. Number three, let your family see you model honor and faith. We've talked about honor as being, as being the, the kind of the bedrock that happens in a strong family where everyone honors each other. Let them see you model it. Here's what it means to honor. Here's what it looks like to have faith and to live out faith on a daily basis. Number four, be intentional. Don't, don't do this. I hope they get it. I hope they get it. Be intentional. All right, here's what this means. Here's what this looks like in our, in our faith, in our family. One of the things that I, 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 um, uh, I put my daughter to bed every night and one of the things we recently started doing, she has uh, memory verses that she learns every week at school, which is awesome. And, and like songs and stuff, and, which again is awesome. And, and, and then we do our, our prayer time. And, um, and she's at the point now where our, our bedtime is just, it's, it's getting ridiculously long. <laughs> it's like, I gotta do my verses and my songs. Like, all right, all 12 of them, here we go. And she just wants to do it and she loves it. And for her, it's like, it's, it's wonderful. And, and one of the things that she brought up, and this is so great, like the, the, talking about faith as a, a family is in faith and doubts is, 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 is essentially important when they're older and like middle school, high school, when they're younger, like she doesn't have doubts. For her, she can't believe that other people aren't 
worshiping the Lord. This just happened. I think my wife just told me, she goes, that they were talking about um, just the uh, regular like public school system and how they, she's like, do they, have, uh, do they have chapel time like we do? Well, no, they have assemblies. Oh, and she goes, do they sing in those? Like, because, you know, our, she goes to Trinity and so she, they have worship time. And I go, no. And she goes, they don't worship our God at, their, at, their, at the school in their assembly? No, honey, they don't. Well, I just can't do that. I have to worship our God. <laughs> like, how could, she was, she couldn't believe that there are kids who don't sing to the Lord. Now, come high school, that is very rare. <laughs> so here's what you do. You talk about it. You say, anything's on the table for her. Will it be intentional? Don't let faith up, uh, leave faith up to chance. Um, th- like, and if we're honest, this is an area all of us are like, okay, all right, myself included. All right, we can get better. I can get better at this. Number five, here's the deal. Ready? Here's the good news for all of it. Ask for God's grace when you fall short, right? Any, anyone, anyone here mess up as a parent? Anyone? Do I have any imperfect parents in here? Of course. So when we do mess up, when we do fail, when we look at this list and say, oh man, I'm not that, I'm not that, I could be better at that. We say, all right, Lord, I need your grace. And here's the deal. I want to decide. I want to decide to take this more seriously. I want, to, I want to build health. I want to pursue health in my family. I want to pursue a strong family. All right. I don't know. I'm not going to get this always right, but, but Lord, this is important enough to be intentional. Faith develops when our perfect God intersects with imperfect us, and it doesn't happen by accident. Would you do this? Would you stand with me as we, uh, we're going to worship the Lord together? Before we do, I want to pray and, and give us a a time to respond. Um, so as we, we've, been, we've been in the series five weeks now and talking about family and the importance of what, what, what growing a, a strong family, healthy family looks like. And, and I'm gonna guess there may be some of us that maybe for the first time are, are deciding to make this a commitment where you're saying, all right, We've been, holding, we've been leaving this up to chance for too long and okay, I don't know, I, I, I'm not always gonna get this right, but we wanna try. If that's you, I wanna, I wanna pray for us and I just want you to, to just where you are, just maybe internally or maybe, maybe you're with your spouse where you guys can like, all right, yeah, I think maybe later today we're gonna talk about this, we're gonna take this seriously. I'm gonna pray for us. Would you do this? Would you bow your heads with me? So Lord, I, I, I pray for all of us that we would look at our families, the most personal part of us, also probably the most difficult and, and confusing and conflicting part of us. And we give it to you and we say, we want, we want to grow stronger. We'll never be perfect as a family, but we can be stronger. So will you help us, Lord? Will you help all of us here to look at our families and say, how can we be more intentional about growing as a strong family, about modeling faith and honor and grace to those around us? Before we worship, some of you might need prayer. And so there's a prayer team up here who would love to pray with you. And, and maybe maybe for you, it means coming forward and all right, let's go get prayer. We, we, let's just have someone pray with us about this. You can do that as soon as we start worship here. So Lord, we we love you. We thank you. We thank you for your grace that even when we fail, especially when we fail, 
You are so good and gracious. Help us to lead our families well. We pray this in Jesus' name.